Namaste and welcome back to another episode of the podcast Sapient. Today we are having a special guest. So I won't um, you know give you any spoilers because we got to learn from herself. So welcome Lucy. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you very much for you know taking the time to come on our show. So how are you today? I'm doing really well. Yeah. Doing good. Just did some meditation and breathing exercises and I'm feeling good. <laughs> got it. So you're all about positivity. I am. You got that right. So you are from which uh, city and which country? I'm from Raleigh, North Carolina in the United States. Got it. And what are your passions? Ooh, what a great question. I love everything like you mentioned, positive. I love spirituality. I love holistic lifestyle. I love tapping into my mind, body, spirit connection. I love uplifting and I love appreciating everything life has to offer. Mhm. And uh what do you do professionally? Yeah, so I'm an author. I just released my new book, Daily Alignment, which is a compilation of tools to help balance your body and mind and spirit. And that's been really really nice. And then I also am a holistic guide. So I see clients one-on-one and promote energy wellness using Reiki and shamanic techniques. Got it. So you said that you're also an author, right? Yes, yes. So could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So as I mentioned my new book is Daily Alignment and it's funny because I never set out to write a book. It really arose organically in my life. I went through a lot of trauma about 3 to 4 years ago and during that time I would wake up every day just feeling awful. I would have spiraling negative thoughts, depression, anxiety. And throughout the day, whether it was from a teacher or a therapist or a friend, I would learn some technique or some tip that helped me feel better. And by the end of the day, I'd be feeling all right. But then the next morning, I would feel awful again. And I started noticing this pattern and I wanted to intercept it. So I came up with the idea of writing down what I learned throughout the day and putting it on a piece of paper just right beside my bed. And the moment I woke up, I would take the piece of paper, put it in front of my face and replace all my thoughts with those thoughts. So I would already be on a path to feeling good right from jump. And those ideas, those pieces of paper became pages and pages and pages and eventually I self-bound them into a book for myself. and friends and family noticed i was doing a bit better and asked what facilitated that and i mentioned this book and i was encouraged to publish it and here we are so it's been a really so, incredible process uh-huh. got it and how much like time did it take for you to you know like from the conceptualization of the book to finishing it oh i would say once i had my first draft done it was about 2 years 
there's a, a process of writing a book proposal and pitching to publishers and finding that perfect publisher. And then there's about a year long editing process with the publisher and getting the book bound and ready to go. And then there's the big publishing date, which for me was about two months ago. Got it. And, uh, you know, throughout the process, you know, were you ever tempted to, um, you know, work more towards it? You know, once you said the editing part was done, you know, were you ever, um, you know, any, was there any moment when, when you felt like, okay, I could have done this part better? I mean, it's always an organic, it's always a, like a flowing process, I feel like. I'm always finding things to improve on. I mean, the book is already released and I feel like I still have a couple of edits I'll want to do for another edition. I feel like that's a lot of life though for me. That's really evolution for me and maybe for all of us that I'm always seeking to continually find something to improve on or to make better or to grow or to just take to that next level. I feel like it comes for me in every direction, in everything that I'm doing. I love adding to it and growing to it and watching its evolution, enjoying the journey. Mm -hmm. And how, lo how long have you practiced what you are advocating in the book? Yeah, so I've been in the holistic world about seven years, and I've always been interested in the mind, though. I majored in psychology in college, so I've always been interested in that connection of how much power the mind has in our lives. And then when I added about six or seven years ago the holistic concepts, I started learning alternative medicine. I started with mindfulness with mindfulness and basic concepts like that. And then I grew into practices like Reiki, as I mentioned, and just delving into that whole world. Got it. So what initially inspired you, you know, to get into something like this, you know, which is not mainstream and not out there. And, you know, it's not uh, frankly in your face, you know, where, wherever you go, you're not finding it. So what really drew you into this holistic world? Mm. I would say really it was pain. I was in so much physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual pain that it encouraged me to seek a new solution. I like the quote that necessity is the mother of all invention and pain caused a necessity within me to seek something different and to do something new. And that led me to explore the holistic world. And once I was in, there was no turning back for me. <laughs> got it. So once you got into this holistic world, what was your you know, first reaction to understanding, okay, this is a whole different you know alternative world or universe that's that has been existing and now i'm into it and what was your you know, initial reaction to it yeah so initially it was interesting like for example with reiki i got into that because i went to get a massage being in pain like i mentioned 
I was seeking a massage and the massage therapist said, given what you're going through, I would suggest Reiki, would you mind if I did that on you today? And I said, sure. And it was just interesting because I had no experience whatsoever with Reiki other than maybe hearing of it once or twice in social culture or pop culture and kind of thinking it was, it was just woo woo and, and couldn't be real and couldn't really do anything. But once I experienced it, then I, I just felt so much better. It was, it was indisputable for me. And so really the experience I've found so much with the holistic and alternative medicines, you can hear about it and then have your opinions and your thoughts and whatnot. But until you experience it, you don't really know what it's actually doing until you can feel those feelings and really know for yourself. So I found experience to be what opened the doors for me and piqued my curiosity. And once I had that Reiki session, I immediately went to get certified because I thought I want to be able to do this on myself 24 seven. So I want to learn how to do it. And initially that was all I was doing it for was just to do it on myself. And then throughout several, several different levels of certifications, my teacher said, well, maybe you could consider doing this on other people. And so that's how my, my practice got started. So as you are a Reiki practitioner, what would you say to those people who say Reiki lacks, you know, the science behind it? Oh, interesting. So there is science behind it. It is used, for example, in the U.S. alone in over 800 hospitals. And they've done studies that show all of its benefits with the patients. And that's why it's used in those hospitals. And another neat thing about Reiki mm -hmm. is it's working on your non-physical life energy. And in science, that's measured mm -hmm. as your biofield. So it's actually measurable in science what this non-physical energy field, some cultures call chi or prana. And in science, it's a biofield. So there is science there um, working alongside with it. And I think that's a neat concept that science doesn't have to be opposite uh, spirituality. In fact, they can go hand in hand. And I think as our as we become more open-minded to seeing that, we're getting more evidence of that. Mm -hmm. And have you seen, let's say, the increased rate of acceptance in terms of alternative medicines or alternative uh, treatment like Reiki? Yeah, I have. I feel like that's part of what I've heard some spiritual teachers call the great awakening that we're in, that some of us need to be shaken to awaken. And that's really the point of pain. And a lot of these things that are going on and have been going on for a few years globally that are really pushing people to get outside their comfort zone and seek a new way of feeling better, kind of like what happened to me. And I feel like that push is what's helping people open their eyes and be more open to something new because we all want to feel good. So we're all, so it's, it can be easier if we're not feeling good to be open to something new that could help us feel better. Mm -hmm. So 
your book is out um, on Amazon, I think. Yes, yes. It's Daily Alignment and you can pop in my name by Lucy Bird, Hope, B-Y-R-D. And you can also get it off of my website, lucybirdhope.com. Got it. And what was the initial reaction when your book came out? Yeah, it's been a great reaction. It's been so heartwarming and just touching for me to get the feedback that I've gotten from so many different individuals that it's helping them deal with trauma they're going through or a divorce they're going through or realign before a big business meeting or help someone who's dealing with grief from losing their life partner. I mean, I've heard so many beautiful different ways that the concepts in it are being used and it just makes me so happy because if I can help one person feel better, then it was all worth it. And it, I have gotten that feedback that it's helping people feel better. It's very easy to read because each concept is about a page long. So it's made for people going through a difficult time who may not be able to focus enough to read a whole book or digest a whole traditional narrative. So it's very easily digestible in those little bits and pieces. And I've gotten a lot of great feedback about that as well. And then the other thing is that I cover, I'll introduce a technique and then frequently I'll put behind it the science that backs it up. So it's nice to be able to hit it from both aspects where you may be practicing the technique and feeling better. And then you read the science of why, what it's doing to your body and I just feel like it reinforces that positive feeling. Got it. So once your book came out and you got very good or positive initial reaction, did it prompt you to just start writing another book? <laughs> what a great question. I have many books in, uh, in queue mentally and some that I've been sketching out. I'm creating a series of children's books based off of the concepts so that they are easily digestible for children because I found the earlier we can be introduced to these concepts of body awareness and mindfulness and all of these sorts of things, the earlier they become tools, the less we have to go through the pain that motivates us to use the tools. If we can just learn them from a young age, and have that balance as we go throughout our life to deal with challenges. So we may incur pain, but it doesn't necessarily become trauma. Mm -hmm. So Lucy, let's talk about you a, a little bit more, um, you know, instead of your <laughs> book. Um, so what was your you know, childhood like? Yeah, I had a wonderful childhood. I have two parents who love me and two sisters who are, are incredible. And yeah, I, I was big into exploring and nature. I love animals and um, had a lot of imagination and definitely could get myself into trouble. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I've mm -hmm. always been interested in kind of pushing the limits to figure out what's there and what's next and what don't I know? And is this a truth or is this something I'm just being told and can I test it? And what does my experience tell me? 
So that's always been interesting and fun for me and interesting for those around me as well. <laughs> mm -hmm. So have you always, uh, you know, lived in within North Carolina, North Carolina? Ah, so I have moved around. I went to Uni University of Texas for college. So I was in Austin, Texas for about 10 years for college. And during that time, I did a semester abroad in Sicily, in Italy, which was incredible. And also in high school, I was able to do a foreign exchange program in France. And then I have also spent a month uh, sailing around the British Virgin Islands. So those have been some of my favorite adventures outside of Raleigh, for sure. Mm -hmm. So you have been, you know, traveling world for some yeah. part of time. I love experiencing different cultures and getting new perspectives. It's really so eye-opening to see that although we may all be human, we live in very different ways. And I love the idea of seeing the beauty in different cultures and embracing, embracing that. Mm -hmm. Do you think that because you have seen multiple cultures and been in multiple countries, did it in any way change the way you thought about yourself or, you know, how you perceive the world? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I studied Buddhism for a while in college and I just, I, I really resonated with that and I've just studied, I, I love studying different religions and feeling into them and just experiencing them and resonating with the love that is found in so many of them. And that definitely shaped where I've gotten a lot of, a lot of my philosophies. And in my book, I have things from all sorts of different cultures and different religions. And I, I feel like that's a positive thing. So here is a, a what I feel is an interesting question I ask. Uh, you know, people who are exposed to multiple cultures. Do you think that exposure to multiple cultures made you uh, ready for a criticism in life? Yeah, yeah, I, I do. I feel, I feel the more our eyes are opened, the broader our perspective, the more we can deal with anything really. It's just about getting as broad a perspective as possible and then going from there. It makes things feel larger and more encompassing and less, less scary and less, less, Im less important in a way. It's just like more of this broader, bigger feel to things that allow, allow things to be put in their right perspective. Got it. The reason I asked you that is I have talked to many people, you know, over the period of years and what I've really um, understood is, you know, the stereotypical version of any country does not work on a, on a, on a large scale basis. Um, because the more cultures you see and the more people you meet and the more weirder people you meet, it makes you open to you know, a lot of things. Mm. Definitely, definitely. I mean,
from foods to, to philosophies to lifestyles, all of that is, is very different when we travel, when I, I found when I travel to different cultures. So experiencing all of that is really what opened, has opened me up. So have you in any way um, received, let's say, um, how can I put it, like better offers in order to publish a book or, you know, like, uh, let's say better deals in terms of publishing a book because that's what we usually see that newer agencies uh, newer agencies and publishers are trying to steal you know the kind of work that people are doing so did you uh, face any of that during your publishing process oh no i didn't i have this um, specific publisher savio republic that is under simon and schuster that i work with and i adore them and maybe part of what helps with that is i've always i've already agreed to um have them publish my second book so i feel like we have a strong relationship and i don't see i don't see that changing got it so you signed the deal before uh, the book was released right about the two parts correct correct got it because what we have seen is Authors who usually sign up for you know more than one book usually have better clarity and better stability in terms of how they write and you know what they're able to come out with. So I hope your second book is as or even better from the first book. Oh, thank you. Yes, I feel like that's part of momentum gathering and things, part of evolution that you do something and then you can expand upon it and make it bigger and better and more like that snowball that builds momentum and rolls downhill and gets bigger and bigger and bigger so i love that idea i hope i hope that as well and i hope my third book is even better <laughs> yes so uh because my listeners are international you know could you please help us understand how was your college in United States because people fail to understand that and I think what is shown in movies is probably a little bit different. <laughs> yes, good point. I really loved college. I have always loved learning. So that has been something that has driven me. I really enjoyed my classes. I loved hearing from my professor and all the different students and i love the ability at university of texas there's a very beautiful large campus and a, and a large population of students as well so it was so enjoyable to walk to class and to listen to the fascinating things that my professors had to say and talk about that with other students and then also enjoy a rich social life um, by being away at college and on my own for the first time and having those experiences for the first time. It's a very, um, it was a very liberating and mm -hmm. informative mm -hmm. and educational process. Got it. And, um, you know, because we have seen this in movies and we have seen it on the internet, how much did it cost? Like, did it cost you an arm and a leg? Mm, it wasn't an arm and a leg. University of Texas is a um, 
public education, so I feel like there can be differences in sometimes private educations are are the ones that can be really expensive. Um, but it was it was fairly priced, I feel. Um, I definitely got my money's worth, I felt. Mm -hmm. Got it. So once you passed out of your college, what was the first thing that you were interested in? What was that first shiny thing that you wanted to chase? Ah, so I looked into going to uh, school to be a social worker. And I also was looking at going into school to be a lawyer. And I changed both of those roads and went to work with animals. I um, got into the animal world. So uh, that is was really my, my first love and passion out of college was working with animals. Okay. And um, this is a sarcastic question. When did you realize that there was no money in it? That's a very good point. I'd say about a year in, and then I transitioned to working with a microchip company for pets. And that was a more sustainable way to help pets and also um, yeah. <laughs> answer your question. So it took you an year to realize. <laughs> yes. So, um, you know, because you have had this incredible journey in life, do you think that if given a time machine, you know, and if you went to pass, could you do better? Ooh. Hmm. I honestly wouldn't change a thing because it all got me exactly here. It got me exactly where I needed to be. If I hadn't have made, if I hadn't have made the mistakes I made, if I hadn't had had the trials I went through, if I hadn't had had the learning lessons, then none of none of where I am now would have grown. I wouldn't have had the need to seek alternative medicine. I wouldn't have had the need to write down these tips and tools. And I wouldn't have had a book and I wouldn't have a Reiki practice and I wouldn't, I wouldn't be where mm -hmm. I am. So I feel like it's this sort of beautiful web that was woven that got me right where oh. I am. So what are your future plans looking at, let's say, uh, ahead? Because you, you already have a book out and you're planning to come out with another. And you what, what seems to be a very good practice for you in terms of Reiki and, you know, you have a lot of exciting things going on. So what, what does future look like to you? Yes, yes. So I'm really excited. I am speaking now about um, sh and basically sharing these tools and techniques to empower people. And that has been a lovely journey. And I see myself doing that in larger and larger arenas and with more and more people that I'm able to reach. And I'm also creating a series of classes out of the book. So just again, more ways to reach more people and uplift and help more people. Um, I also have many alternative medicines that I'm still interested in learning and mastering like acupuncture. And there's just, I mean, really there's so many different techniques to delve into. So 
I look forward to continually honing and refining my skills and seeing what's next in that journey and just really continuing to dive into this holistic world and reach more and more people as I do that. That's definitely my vision to just take my message broader and bigger and reach as many people as possible to just uplift mm -hmm. the world. And what do you think in terms of tools that would enable you to you know, fast track what you want to do? In terms of, sorry, like, what was the question? What would be the one single tool that would help you fast track what you want to do in the future? Oh, wow. Hmm. Perhaps the right platform, perhaps the right, the right way to reach as many people as possible, which I feel like is coming my way. And, and I am, I am receiving, I mean, this is a beautiful space to reach a lot of people. I feel like that's part of that momentum building that I mentioned, um, new platforms and reaching new people. And I feel like that can build and build and build on itself to where I am reaching a, a whole multitude of people at Got once. It. And how active are you on social media? If people want to uh, follow you or, you know, just talk to you, um, how active are you and where, where can they find you? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram and Facebook under Lucy Bird Hope, L-U-C-Y. B-Y-R-D-H-O-P-E. And I post positive, uplifting messages and tips and tools from Daily Alignment. So yeah, definitely follow me and engage with me. I would love to talk to anyone who has anything um, to share with mm -hmm. me. And um, here is another sarcastic question, let's say. How long do you think you have before you stop answering DMs in Instagram? <laughs> because there is a point where you know it becomes Ooh. a headache right right well i've always sought to balance that honestly i didn't get into social media until about a year ago so that balance is really important in my life i do keep a check on it and really i, I engage when i feel called to so i do feel like there is an importance to balancing that um, and making sure I'm main maintaining my own alignment and my own serenity, and then being there for other people as well. Because I can only be there for others if I'm in a good place myself. Mm -hmm. So are you, you know, apart from what you're doing in terms of amazing things, what do you think is your superpower? Ooh. I think my superpower is contagious joy. <laughs> I love mm -hmm. to laugh. I love to have those stimulating conversations with people where we are experiencing positive emotions and sharing with each other in ways that help each of us uh, feel good. and. I feel like that there is something contagious about that sort of joy and bliss. Got it. I mean, I can definitely see in terms of positivity because as soon as we got on this call, you know, you did 
you know automatically bring in that kind of energy where i was like okay you know i might have to dial my energy up <laughs> I appreciate that. That really warms my heart. And yeah, it, it brings to mind an interesting philosophy I've heard from a spiritual teacher, Abraham Hicks. That is, we are all these energetic beings. And when we meet with another person, we have to meet on an energy field. And so if one person's on a higher energy field and one person's on a lower energy field, either the person on the high energy field has to come down to the low energy field, or if they maintain their alignment, the person on a lower energy field must come up to the person on a higher energy field in order for them to connect. So I think that's a really interesting that concept that you bring up and I've studied it energetically. I think it's very fascinating. And I think that's part of the contagious aspect that I was mentioning earlier. Yes, I definitely agree with that because um, I can be the attestment to my listeners that I had to bring up my energy by at least four levels, even just to match your energy at the start <laughs> of the call. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm honored to hear that. And I hope that that was okay for you. <laughs> yeah, yes, that's, that's definitely uh, very welcome here. So on your website um, uh, that, um, you know, I had to do the part of research. Uh, we saw that you also run your own uh, weekly podcast. Yes, I do. So I also co-own a holistic beverage company with my friend Ryan. And every week we do a podcast where we talk about holistic concepts and fill our listeners in on what we've done that week to stay whole mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. And so every week we are sharing with each other and our listeners get to hear as well things we faced and how we overcame it in relation to those aspects, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. And we have a lot of fun on there for sure. We do a lot of laughing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, you know, coming, let's say, out of in terms of what you do, what are you really like, um, you know, it's your guilty pleasure? Ooh, guilty pleasure. I love being outside. I take my, I love my dogs. They are a big part of my life and I take them for about an hour long walk every day. And I just love soaking that in. And I love the beach and the ocean. Oh, that is definite guilty pleasure of mine is reading a book on the ocean and just hearing the waves crash. That's probably my favorite thing of all time. And I also really love having a nice meal with friends and family and enjoyable food and just great conversation and having that dinner last for three hours or so. It was one of my favorite things about going to other cultures because that was so encouraged and part of the lifestyle. And I definitely brought that back with me. Got it. So what is your one unpopular opinion? You know, that's like, it's going to make my audience go, oh my God, like, what did you just say? Kind of thing. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Let me think on that one. What a great question. 
Okay, so here is an opinion of mine that <laughs> maybe um, a little mm -hmm. interesting. So I'm a vegetarian, and I believe that all beings that are alive have consciousness just at different levels and that we're all vessels carrying that consciousness. So for example, as a human, I have this physical body that's carrying the vessel of my non-physical spirit. And when I transition, when I pass, when I die, my physical vessel is really the one that dies and my non-physical spirit lives on continuously, um, eternally. So taking that concept to animals and plants, I had the thought a couple of years ago that perhaps I shouldn't cut flowers anymore because if they're living vessels, if flowers are a life, then is that not flower murder? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. You have a very valid point there. Yeah, I mean, uh, have so, you seen yeah, these yeah. recent studies yeah. where they say that every, anytime we, you know, we cut fruits, vegetables, or flowers from the plants, they scream. Oh, oh. yeah. I mean, I, I, I do feel like there is life in those vessels, and then I, I do think about this though, because as a vegetarian, I'm still eating plants, and some of the studies that. I've learned from spiritual teachers em embrace the concept that it's different levels of consciousness. So it's less of a painful, traumatic thing for the lower levels of consciousness like plants and then raising up to fish and then raising up to animals and then raising up to humans. So I thank my plants for their sacrifice and I, um, I do my best to show them my appreciation. Got it. So Lucy, even I <clears throat> and my whole family is a vegetarian because we are Hindus and, you know, it's our kind of tradition. Uh, but what I really feel is food is not about ethics. You know, food is about what you put into your body. And you have to be very conscious mm -hmm. about how much damage are we doing you know, ecologically um, in terms of who, what we're killing and how much we're eating. Um, because now you see this trend of veganism where it's a uh, hyper-realistic kind of presence of food, which is really not possible. Um, but anyways, I was trying to get you into something uh, something of a controversy, but you gave a very positive and soft answer, yet proving once more that you're a very positive person. <laughs> well, thank, I'll take that as a compliment. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, I do. I I will say to bring a little more controversy. I do still cut flowers, so I don't know what that says about me. Maybe. Mm -hmm. So now no, you're the flower murderer. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> you should probably put that on your Instagram bio, <laughs> so That's that people know. You know, you are a kind of criminal <laughs> when they start following you. Right. I have a dark yeah, see, side. <laughs> you do have something that's controversial on your uh, consciousness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Lucy, it was very nice talking to you um, for this long um, because I usually have to work a little bit hard to um, 
you know poke people in order to make them talk but you are one of those who are very natural so i want to really ask you like did have you taken any class in terms of how to speak or communication So I haven't technically taken any speaking classes. I I believe part of why I may feel comfortable speaking involves um, one the podcast that I've been doing. It's uh, the Live Holism podcast that I mentioned earlier. I've been doing that every week for almost two years now, and then also I think a big part is how much therapy I've done for so long. I've done. Um, cognitive behavioral therapy, somatic therapy, existential therapy, and that involves a lot of being vulnerable and open with another person. So you're kind of born with it. Yeah, yeah. It's um, those were fascinating. Are you familiar with those types of therapies? Yes. Yeah, so um, it's been it's been wonderful. Cognitive behavioral therapy is really talking about cognitive thought, behavioral action. So it's your the actions of your thoughts, and I love thinking of it that way. Um, and so it's been neat to retrain my thoughts through those processes. And then with somatic therapy, that has been one of my favorites. That's connecting my mind and my body it's basically getting into my body as a way to get out of overthinking or anything like that so a really easy somatic therapy technique and i have a lot of these in the book is to connect to your senses so anytime we're connected to our sense of sight or smell or taste or touch we are getting out of our head and focusing in our body which grounds us and listening, interestingly enough, hearing is our fastest sense evolutionarily that protected our ancestors so that they could easily hear approaching danger. So the quickest sense to tap into to get out of your mind is your sense of hearing. So when I'm feeling overwhelmed, a lot of the times I'll just label neutrally anything I can hear in my environment, like everything from birds chirping to the hum of a fan to when I listen for it, I can actually hear like a hum coming from my computer that it's like keeping itself mm -hmm. cool and I can hear my breath. I mean, it's wild when I tap into listening, how much it can redirect, redirect myself. And then existential therapy, I really loved. I went, did that when I was struggling with, um, how could all these things be happening if there's something bigger? And so it was beautiful to delve into those concepts and explore them. I love therapy. Got it. <laughs> Do you think there needs to be a little bit more awareness about therapy and acceptance towards it? Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, therapy has been life-changing for me. I've been doing therapy since I was a teenager, so probably 20 years. And I have had, I've learned so many tools from different therapists and then just the practice of talk therapy. I feel like talking and releasing the emotions and the energies that are inside of me in a safe space with someone who's prepared to listen, just lets that energy out of me so that I can feel more clear and, and just more stable. So I feel like 
even if I love the idea of therapy and I am a huge promoter of it and I really believe in it, but for someone who may just be starting out, I would say just finding a friend or confidant who is willing to listen and ready and prepared and practicing talk therapy, just just talking about what's going on um, as a way to warm up to perhaps doing that in a professional setting. Got it. So in terms of therapy, my question is, do you, do you think that genes and hereditary plays a role into it? I do feel that that's a part of it. I believe in both nature and nurture, which is kind of a concept that we're born with certain things and our environment can shape certain things. And I feel like frequently those go hand in hand um, and can build on each other. I do, I do feel though that with the right tools and with the right mindsets, we can really get ourselves into, into balance um, um, despite a lot that we might have going on that might be written into our genetic code. Got it. So as you were you know, speaking about, uh, just speaking to a friend, uh, I had this weird idea that I want to share over the air that if anyone is listening, let me know whether this is a good idea or a trash idea. Um, you know, here, here is what I was thinking, right? Instead of just hitting record and talking to any guest, I thought I would talk to them for 40 minutes prior to recording. And then I thought, you know, I will, I will just record the episode because I have seen people open up and their tonality, their um, uh, the body language and the language that they choose to speak in terms of how friendly they are or how 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 open they are it does increase uh, in, indeed increase as the time goes on so yeah i think you just gave me a new idea oh i like that almost like a warm-up yes session correct. before you know like stretching before you play a sport yes. <laughs> i think that's a great yes, idea correct. yeah because you know at the start of the there episode it's like we are too people who don't know each other and you know we are very careful around right. each other right right it reminds me of that momentum concept that we've yes. been talking about like the ball has to start rolling somewhere mm-hmm. and sometimes once it's rolling a little bit then the momentum is building quicker and faster and even smoother mm-hmm. so i think that's a great concept yes. but i don't know how many guests have that much of time <laughs> <laughs> You could do like 15 yes, minutes probably, or something yeah. instead of 40. So <laughs> I'm from India. I'm I'm from Bangalore. So my next question is obvious. Do you have any opinions about India? I think it's a beautiful place. It's interesting you mentioned that because just this past weekend, I have a friend who spent two years in India and she showed me all of her journals and all of her albums and we decided that we want to go together and that I, I mean, I would love to visit. I just feel like the culture and the colors and the food and the experiences and the philosophies, I find them absolutely fascinating. And yeah, as of a couple of days ago, I have plans to make a trip. <laughs> Got it. Uh, yeah. Also, do you want to know the common terms that, um, you know, foreigners described India. I mm. mean, you mentioned all of them. One is color, 
one is tradition third is food <laughs> well there we go yeah. well then i'm ready <laughs> yeah i think you you got the main points down now you just got to grab your passport and visit us um yeah so exactly um yeah because i think that people have a lot of stereotypical um thought about india just like any other country um but india is one of the biggest and the most uh misrepresented country out there because um, do you remember a movie that came out a lot of uh, many years ago that was slum dog millionaire yes 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 i didn't see it but i am familiar. yeah the western countries loved it because they thought it represented india but in india many people were in a pissed because they felt like okay you just um you just like you know showed the bad parts of us and you know you just said okay this is india so uh... yeah that's what i say in terms of misrepresentation mm yeah yeah i mean stereotypes are a thing whether for india or any other country including america that i feel like we all we all battle oh yeah and it's up to us to to experience it for ourselves yes. it reminds me of when we were talking about reiki at the beginning mm-hmm. i mean we can have stereotypes i had stereotypes about reiki but then once i experienced it for myself and was able to create my own impressions and my own concepts then it it was much different all the stereotypes fell to the wayside yes so here are the stereotypes that indians think about um, americans right okay <laughs> one is you eat too much okay i was going to say yes okay. that's usually a very yeah <laughs> you drink too many too much of soda ah yeah. and the third is uh, american people are just all about united states Mm. it's mm. self yeah. uh, self centered yeah i've heard some of those as well um and sometimes with stereotypes it doesn't mean that the, that those things don't exist but they aren't represent representative of the entire population or necessarily even the majority of the population i feel like a lot of times stereotypes can be based off of certain extremes of the population Correct. and not really indicative of the whole yes i agree with that that yeah. not everyone is um you know shoving their uh, mouth you know down the food can you know people are conscious about what they eat so uh, one more thing i just wanted to ask is do you think that um you know the homelessness in united states okay do you think it has been increasing or decreasing oh i am i imagine it's increasing i don't i don't have an official answer but i would just imagine given how i feel like lots of things almost seem to increase with time um i would say probably increasing i feel like it definitely depends on which city and which area you go to mm-hmm. as well where i am in raleigh um we don't have a super large homeless population um i volunteer at the soup kitchen so i get to experience and greet greet some homeless people and try to help them have a better day and i'm a big proponent in that um 
it, I do feel like it's different city by city for sure. When I was in Austin, Texas, there was a larger population um, and they had created almost a, uh, a positive almost, um, probably not exactly the right word, but a, um, a community where they, the homeless people were like playing musical instruments together and mm -hmm. singing together and that sort of concept. So, so they had a bond. I feel like they're... Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. I did see that in Austin. So it... I feel like it's different everywhere. Uh -huh. So it might sound very dumb, but could you explain to those people who don't know what is a soup kitchen? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. So um, it is a place where people volunteer and go and make up food and then the homeless people are able to come and eat that food. And it's generally on a daily basis and it's generally one meal a day. It's just a very large meal with lots of different portions to it. Um, and I guess that depends on which soup kitchen you go to. Um, but yeah, it's it's just a place where there's a safe space for home, homeless people to come and enjoy a warm home cooked meal and receive some smiles and um, good wishings for the day. Got it. So here's my last question, because throughout this conversation, I have discovered something that you are probably on a 30 hour schedule in a day. I mean, uh, it's like you, you have a default six hour more than any other person because you are a practitioner author and because you're an author i think you're an entrepreneur and also at the same time you know you are working as volunteer so my next question is how do you find time <laughs> Ooh, that's a good that's a good one i feel like balance is everything so certain weeks i will lean more in different directions certain months even certain seasons will have a bigger theme to them so with daily alignment having come out a couple of months ago this is definitely the season of daily alignment and um, the podcasts and the speaking and the classes are i would say my biggest focus and then i see clients as well that's probably um my secondary focus and then holism my holistic beverage company is maybe third right now and those all go through different shifts depending on the the just what's happening naturally in my life and i think it's really important one of my favorite concepts is called uh pivoting and blending and this is in my book it is basically the concept of when I am feeling overwhelmed or that there's anything in my environment that I feel like, oh, I don't like this or this is stressful, then I pause and I turn in any other direction and I recompose myself and then I reintegrate myself going in that new direction. So for example, if they're bringing in this season of daily alignment and my book being the focus, at first when that was happening, there was a little bit of a clash of energies where I was doing way too much in all of the areas. And so I thought, okay, I'm feeling overwhelmed. That's a signal for me to pause and regroup. So let's turn in a different direction. Let's reprioritize and then let's reintegrate and go forth. And so I feel like having that awareness to pause when things are overwhelming or stressful and then realign 
is really huge in being able to do multiple things throughout the day or, or throughout the year. Got it. So <clears throat> Lucy, uh, thank you very much for being with us for this long. Because of course, you spent last two minutes just explaining how you balance your day. So as you, I assume you are a very busy person. Uh, so thank you very much for being on the podcast and taking this time and also helping us understand, you know, many things that in terms of, you know, alternative medicine or maybe culture, you know, countries or even just yourself. So yeah, thank you very much once again. Thank you. Thank you so much. This has been such a pleasure and it's such an honor to be here with you. I just really appreciate your time and your invitation. It's It's been a very joyful experience. So thank you. Thank you very much. So guys, this is the end of the episode. If you have made this longer, congratulations because you got some patience. And until the next episode, see you.